Victor and Sermon. Uh, your session has approved the formation of a task force that we're calling Knox Forward. And they've been asked to lead us in a conversation about what we've learned from the past year and what it means for the days ahead. Throughout the pandemic, I've heard a lot of people say that one of the ways we can work to redeem this unspeakable tragedy is by trying to learn from it. How has the past year changed our priorities? What do we now know is really important? And what did we think was important before, but now we know that it's not? These are important questions. They're important for individuals and families. They're important for businesses and institutions. And they're important for the church. We know that you'll have input, and the Knox Forward Group is going to be in touch with you as they facilitate a congregation-wide effort to hear your feedback and to share it with the session as we look forward to life on the other side of COVID. Even as vaccines become more widespread and the threats are seeming to ease in places around us, and we talk about the days ahead, we are aware of many whose lives are still being turned upside down by COVID. We are aware that its effects will be lasting. We are especially prayerful for the people of India who even now are facing the darkest days of this pandemic. Let us remember these siblings in Christ as we worship today. Let us pray. Startle us, O God, with the goodness of your word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The scripture lesson for this morning comes from the gospel according to John in the 15th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. I am the true vine, says Jesus, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Over the past 14 months, the life we knew has been deconstructed. Some of that deconstruction may be welcome. Much of it has been tragic. For sure, there has been a lot of deconstruction of what was familiar before. Normal patterns from before have been taken apart 
And now we're beginning the work of putting a life back together and wondering how it is going to look different. We're just starting to emerge from the deconstruction, and it's a challenge. It can be hard to put yourself out there again in ways you're not used to now. Anna and I went to a Reds game a couple Fridays ago. The stadium was 30% full with distancing. Most people were compliant about masks, and the two of us are vaccinated. Intellectually, we felt confident that it was a safe thing to do. And at the end of the third inning, we exchanged a knowing stare, and I said to Anna, you ready to go? And she said, yep, and home we went. I've heard similar stories from plenty of you. There's a sort of agoraphobia, a readjustment to being out in circumstances that we haven't been part of in a year, and it's going to take some getting used to. Most of us have been going it alone a lot this past year. I know that some of you have been very much alone. I've talked to some recently vaccinated people who live alone who are venturing out into the community for the first time in a year. That's a big deal. For my family, for all of us who live with spouses and children, we've been going it alone in ways of our own. For us, it's been a year largely without activities and babysitters and without the grandparent support we rely upon hugely as two working people with children. Many of us who work are still working mostly alone. Even if you go to an office, being in a workplace is different now in ways that mostly are lonely. No water cooler, no happy hour, no five days a week. And church has been lonely. To be sure, many of you have been heroic in calling one another, writing notes, leaving small gifts on doorsteps, continuing to care for one another in this community, worshiping online. But that unified rhythm of worshiping weekly in God's house, taking the kids to Sunday school, going to choir practice or Bible study or volunteering together or hugging your friends when you arrive at church, so much of it has been deconstructed. What's it going to look like as we start to put it back together? These things I've been sharing about COVID, they're really just an amplification of things that we already knew about life and faith. In restarting all of these things that we used to do, we hear echoes of a voice that we once felt familiar. Theologian N.T. Wright has described faith in this way. In this imperfect world, he says we hear echoes of a voice when it comes to matters of faith. We hear echoes in this world of the way that human life really should be. We're God in control of it all. We have a distant sense of what a whole spiritual life look like, would look like, but we've never fully achieved it. We have a sense of what the world might look like if God's kingdom came into being, but we haven't yet seen it. We know what we long for our relationships to be like, but we haven't fully experienced it. 
That's what life is like when God's will is not complete and fulfilled in the world. Before the pandemic, we were hearing echoes of a voice. The life we had even before wasn't perfect, but the deconstruction of our patterns during the pandemic has made those echoes even more distant for us. And now, as the voices calling us back to life are growing stronger, we wonder what kind of new life God might be calling us to. One of the places where N.T. Wright says we hear echoes of a voice is in our relationships, all kinds of relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, our relationship with our own selves, they're all echoes of a voice. We have a distant sense that if those relationships were just as our Creator intends them to be, they would sound and feel different. We're not sure exactly how. But God knows how. God knows how our relationships are supposed to work, and Jesus has described it. This is what he said to his disciples. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Our relationships, be they in our families, in our church, among our friends, they are richest and fullest when they are grounded in the common vine of Christ. Jesus Christ grounds us by teaching us through his own living how to love one another, how to treat one another with selflessness and care and compassion. Barbara Essex explains why God's role in this process is so important as she explains how vines work. Listen. Left alone, she says, vines, thick trailing plants that attach themselves to other things, they will grow uncontrollably and result in one big tangled mess. A vine grower or vine dresser is needed in order to keep the vines in order. The paradox is that the vine grower must cut away lifeless, unproductive branches and prune those branches that are productive. At some point, all the branches need to be cut. I love that phrase Essex used, that left alone we attach ourselves to other things, grow uncontrollably, and result in one big tangled mess. Isn't that what life sometimes feels like? And I love that she indicates, as every gardener knows, that this is not a metaphor about good people versus evil people. All of us need to be pruned in order for good fruit to grow. Jesus says God has made this long-term investment in all of us to be our vine grower. We are meant to be connected through the true vine and to draw upon that vine for strength. We were not created to go it alone. 
We are more healthfully connected to one another when we remember that we are connected through the vine. God plants us in good earth, and then God diligently prunes and waters and plucks out bad growth so that we can be healthy and bear good fruit. There are plenty of personal applications for this wisdom, but there are important communal ones also. Author Rod Dreher says that reform movements have existed in the church throughout history because of this need for the church to be pruned, detached from the other things that the church has wrapped itself around that have made the church a big tangled mess. Martin Luther led a reform movement to detach the church from its attachment to false authority from popes and bishops and to return it to the authority of Scripture. St. Francis of Assisi, disillusioned by the material accesses of the church, gave away all of his personal wealth and started a reform movement to reconnect the church with the plight of the poor. Rod Dreher suggests that in our own time, the massive declines we are seeing in church membership and participation, they will not be fully answered by becoming more technologically savvy or culturally savvy or by winning in the political arena. Those are other things the church has attached itself to like a vine, and they have made a mess. What we need is to detach ourselves from these things to which we have clung to tightly and to remember that we are part of the true vine. Rod Dreher draws upon the reform movement led by St. Benedict of Nursia in the 6th century as he explains this. As the Roman Empire collapsed and the state-sponsored church was left in turmoil along with it, Benedict set out with a group of Christian friends and began the monastic movement. They started a monastery. It was a commitment in the midst of a frightening shift in culture, a commitment to rededicate their lives to rhythms of prayer and service and education and community grounded in God. Dreyer says that in our own time, church communities must rediscover a new way to be this kind of a Christian village, helping people order their lives according to prayer and education and worship and discipleship. We need to be connected to one another because we are connected through the vine with God as our vine grower. I think Rod Dreher has it mostly right. The church is in need of some pruning in order to detach ourselves from other things to which we've been clinging so that we can remember the true vine and be guided by the vine grower. We have to be willing to let go of some things. We also have to be ready to dig deep and invest ourselves where there is a clear need for connection with Christ. Perhaps you'll be guided by this metaphor when you hear from the Knox Forward group I mentioned before the sermon. The pandemic has exacerbated our sense of what the church must do because it is really important. 
And the pandemic has also awakened in us a sense of the things we've been doing for a long time that don't really matter, that do not keep us connected to the true vine and to one another. What might we look like? What might the church look like if we allowed the vine grower to do some pruning and to regain control of our lives? There is, of course, a personal dimension to this message as well. Left alone, our lives are thick, trailing plants that attach themselves to other things that will grow uncontrollably and result in one big, tangled mess. How is that true of your own life, your relationships, your spirit? I wonder. So that you know that I am not just preaching these things at you, I will tell you how I believe this challenge applies in my life. You may have read in your email this past week that I am preparing for a three-month sabbatical, which will begin in June. One of the ways I understand my call as a pastor is to provide leadership in this community as we seek to ground our shared life in the true vine of Jesus Christ. I am to help us be shaped by God, the vine dresser, so that we can bear good fruit together. That only happens effectively if my own spiritual life is grounded in the same way. Going back to where I started this sermon, that call is hard enough in regular times. It's always a challenge to hear the echoes of God's voice and to know where God is calling us to go. But in this past year, it has been much more difficult as so much of our life has been deconstructed. So I'm looking forward to this time to be thoughtful and prayerful about my own spiritual life so that when I return in the fall, I can be a worthwhile resource to you as we rebuild our life together. I'm sure that some folks at Knox, particularly on the staff, will be relieved not to have me around. But in all seriousness, if a pastor takes seriously the function of a sabbatical for enriching one's own spiritual walk, the three months I spend away from you could be much more valuable than years spent preaching to you each Sunday and attending meetings and studies and answering your emails and phone calls. I'm not out the door just yet. It'll be a month before my sabbatical begins. And as always, in that time, I pray that you will talk to me about your reflections. If today's words about connecting to the true vine, pruning out the dead branches, bearing good fruit, if there are words here that have been thought-provoking to you in your own spiritual walk or in the life that we share as a community, if there are ideas you hope for me to be prayerfully pondering while I am away, I hope that you will reach out. I look forward to hearing from you. Amen. Amen.